The Breakdown with Bethany is a mom.com podcast. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of The Breakdown with Bethany. I'm Bethany Braun-Silva, and today my guest is Amy Kestenberg. Amy is a fashion designer, mama, and all-around super businesswoman. She's going to be giving us lots of tips and advice about running your own business and starting a brand, some of which may surprise you. So you're definitely going to want to check this one out. Amy, I am I am such a fan of yours. Before we were even introduced by our mutual friend, I was, you know, love your stuff. I see it on QVC. And I think a lot of us would love to know how you got started in business, in fashion. In fashion. Well, I grew up in Australia. My grandparents were all immigrants from different countries. On my mother's side, my grandmother was Iraqi and fled Iraq and was uh, my mother was first generation Australian. She, when she got to Australia, she couldn't speak English and she had to find a way to make an income. So she was a seamstress, seamstress out of her house and would sew garments for her local community. And she would always, you know, she never had a lot of money. So she would always go to op shops and, um, you know, secondhand stores and buy items. And that's where she would cut up the fabrics and shoes and whatever else and create beads and necklaces and jewelry and just whatever she could create that was essentially secondhand that she would turn into this beautiful kind of rework of an item. So I very much grew up at her house while both my parents worked and was really exposed to her always being so hands-on creatively. So she taught me to sew and knit and bead and embroider from probably I started at about five or six years old learning about that. So by nine, I, I could sew a dress. Um, and that was really natural for me because I was so exposed to like hands-on arts and crafts and, uh, you know, painting and just very much in the world of having a creative family. So, and then my other grandma was a Holocaust survivor. And both my grandfathers were Holocaust survivors. So they all came to Australia with nothing and really started off, I get ground up also. And they ended up going into the jewelry industry where my, both my, both, uh, sorry, my grandmother and my grandfather on my father's side worked together as jewelers. So I was then exposed on that side to kind of a different side of jewelry making and hands-on creative. My dad is a self-made entrepreneur, um, was a local businessman, self-taught and traveled the world to create products to bring to Australia that were not available in the Australian market. So from a very young age, probably about six or seven, he would have me travel with him throughout Asia, you know, three to four times a year, I would get pulled out of school to travel and work trade shows in Asia where he would expose me to local meetings he would be having and I would 
fake that I was 18 so I could go to all these buying offices and trade shows and I would be head to toe and you know 12 years old I was head to toe dressed in a suit and I had a mouthful of braces and I wasn't allowed to smile because you had to be 18 to be at those shows and obviously in China you don't really want to break the rules so you know I would attend these shows where my dad would expose me to the business side and the business world and and really taught me from the ground up so both creatively and on the business side, I, very, I had a very unique upbringing and very untraditional in the sense of what I saw and not only from a business and creative standpoint, but also from a cultural standpoint, you know, really understanding the difference in global culture, consumerism, the way different people live, shop, buy, think, you know, which all kind of comes back to business and your success as a success as a business, um, really focusing on understanding people and product. But I feel like an element that a lot of people forget about in building a brand that is selling a product is you're selling it to a person. And the importance of understanding people and the way they, what makes them tick, the way they function, their, the mentality behind purchase and the mentality behind why someone would buy something versus something else and whether it's emotional or not emotional, just kind of understanding culture and people to me is an element that a lot of people don't realize the importance of in business. And would you say that's probably, would you like attribute that to your success that you do that so well? Oh, absolutely. I design for myself and the women that I know need what I need. So it makes it a lot easier to have a brand that is catering to consumers and and a community that is aligned with your val- your personal values and mindset and life. So can you also take us through, I'm sorry to interrupt if you were going to continue, <laughs> go ahead. But I'm so curious to know about the design process because it really is cyclical, right? Like you do, you design, you know, for different seasons and you design ahead. And I mean, how, where do you grab inspiration from? How far ahead are you planning for, you know, next season? I think a lot of our viewers who are interested in going into business, specifically fashion accessories would be so interested to know that. So there are different today, you know, the the industry and process has really evolved, like especially post COVID, you know, post pandemic, the industry has drastically changed the way it operates, so many things, the way it operates, you know, where values lie, purchase power. I mean, every element has really been challenged, you know, in my, in my thought process, it was kind of needed for there to be a shift in mentality. So my process may not be everybody's process and depending on what type of business or brand or accessory brand or fashion brand that you're trying to build, it would be a very different approach. So, you know, we're positioned to grow into a full lifestyle brand, a global lifestyle brand that is quite large. So that has always been my focus and the foundation upon the strategic decisions in which we make. But that isn't what everybody wants. You know, when I first started out, I wanted more of a boutique brand that was very artisanal and 
you know, not necessarily a global brand and a smaller kind of just passion of love with what I wanted to create, um, which is a very different avenue strategy and business uh, situation than what I am building today. So they're really different lanes. Um, and then there's the lane of not having your own brand and actually working for fashion, existing fashion company where you just kind of love what you do and you want to be able to do it well for people that you believe in or a company that you believe in and want to align with and grow with. So there's different avenues you can take, obviously. Um, for me, I think the biggest takeaway for anyone looking to get into the fashion industry would be if you do want to go the route of having your own brand or store, it is very important to have your own unique point of view and to not look what other designers are doing and not try and replicate what other people are doing and to be okay with the fact that if people don't get it, that's okay. Because you know what? When I first started out and I designed one of my first bags, everyone looked at me like I was crazy. And everyone literally at the time, time around me had my whole team had my whole team I mean two people because that was my whole team but even um you know the the leather factories that were working with me and the pieces creating the pieces with me that I had designed were looking at me like I was crazy They're like nobody's gonna get this this doesn't make sense this design does not make sense and that one particular design was called the Tamitha backpack ended up being my number one best-selling style that put me on the map as a designer so a lot of the time having vision is really, really important, but you also have to have the inner confidence to be able to know when you truly believe wholeheartedly in something that, that you feel is a winner or it's the right direction and your instincts are just telling you it's the right way to go, to have the confidence within yourself to not let anyone distract you from that. But that is also a fine line between that, being able to acknowledge that versus taking constructive feedback from people that may be more educated than you in a certain realm or know more about what somebody like a particular buyer or industry is looking for. So becoming your own kind of internal judge, which comes back to inner work and like self-love and growth practices and meditation and alignment with yourself internally is such an important factor for everything that I do because I essentially consider myself a constant judge where I'm sitting and I get all this information from all different people, whether it's buyers, whether it's my team, whether it's production, whether it's design, whether it's editors, whatever it is, they're all feeding me all this information that generally never aligns with each other. And I have to be able to sit there and say, okay, there's a lot of noise. What do I actually want to let through the gates? What do I actually feel is constructive versus they don't get it versus this is a winner and I feel confident in this and I'm willing to take that risk versus maybe I should listen to them on this. So becoming your own internal compass, which is not easy to do. You really have to practice like mindfulness and, you know, a lot of, self-love and growth work in order to be able to tap in internally to be able to make those decisions because you know when I started out and even today I didn't have a panel of women a you know a board or 
people that I could, that were very successful that I could ask these questions to. You know, do I partner with this person? Is it a bad decision? Is it a good decision? What are the red flags? Like when I started out, I didn't have anyone I could ask those questions to. And I was alone in the boat of kind of, I was in a great position of, of having all this opportunity and growth that I was so grateful for. But it didn't, I really didn't know what I was doing when it came to like the decision making. And I had to follow my, learn how to follow my instincts and my gut. And anytime I didn't, I always had a hard lesson. So today I've learned that there's nothing more important than tapping in instinctually. And it doesn't always have to make sense. And when someone asks you why you're making that decision and you don't know why, like, that's okay. You can just say, I don't know, but I don't need to know because everything within me is telling me to say no. And that is exactly what I'm going to do. I mean, you're like giving us a masterclass on, you know, mindfulness and business. This isn't, this is so fascinating. And this is definitely not what I was expecting to learn, but I'm so glad you're telling us about this because, you know, it's, I feel like the business mindset is to be successful. It's so much more than maybe what, if you're not in, like a, an entrepreneur or anything like that, you don't realize really what goes into it. We all say, yes, it's incredibly hard work, but the, the fact that you are so open about how much you've had to like work on yourself to let, oh my gosh, it's so fascinating. But I'm so curious, what is the Amy Kessenberg aesthetic? Has that evolved over the years? You mentioned you had the signature backpack. Um, is there still like signature pieces? I know, and this is sort of a two-part question. I was so fortunate to come to your um, showroom. It was, I've never been to a showroom before. So it was really fascinating to me. And I noticed a lot of your pieces are really like empowering, really positive messages, like emblazoned on some of your bags. So tell us about the aesthetic. Tell us about what you hope to sort of put out there in the world with, um, with your line. So I've just actually finished my, I almost worked backwards because when I first started the brand, I really didn't start a brand. I designed a product that was my own aesthetic that I realized didn't exist in the marketplace. And that backpack took off. And then I was kind of off to the races with supplying buyer demand of the collection. But I never actually started the way most brands start, which is building a brand book, the foundation of what the brand represents and, you know, who are we? What do we stand for? I really started with product and it was unintentional, but it just happened that way in the way that my business grew. So when I made, you know, my first year in business, just from product, there was no marketing dollars, nothing being spent. And we had or such organic growth just from the, the bags being so popular with buyers that we went from zero to a $15 million brand in one year with no investment outside of just the product. And we didn't have any influencers or, you know, paid or, or marketing. It was all just organic growth where people loved the product, wanted to wear it. And that end of that first year, we made the Forbes 30 under 30, which was crazy for us because we weren't focused at all on that avenue of the business or of the brand social media had Instagram had just come out it was like new for us I was doing it myself and it was like half the time it was just me walking down the street wearing my different bags that I liked and there was no strategy it was just great product and I was just focused on creating really cool pieces that were high quality and aligned with my needs for casual style felt confident in spirit and had an element of functionality that no other designer bags had. And it was really those three pillars that launched the brand. 
So today, fast forward, we're now, next year will be my 10 year anniversary of the brand, which is nuts to think about because I'm only 20 still. So uh, just kidding. Me too. I'm I'm not, I'm not. But I do tell everyone I'm 33 forever. That's my new thing. I am 33 forever. I would like every birthday cake to say 33. So I can, um, I can do that. I, I like that idea. I think I might yeah. steal that from you. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I like it. 33 forever. It's my new brand. So, but going back to the branding piece, um, the br- only today have I, in the past year, have I been working on outlining and narrowing down the core focus of what the brand is what it represents who we are and diving into uh, making the AK brand very clear on what we stand for I've always known but now that we've grown to a place where the brand is so much bigger than me I need to be able to do that for my team for our for our my community and I know that our community that follow us closely they know who we are but this is going to be in, on a different kind of platform where it's able to be a global message to what we represent. So, for example, my brand, my brand started as a very soft quality, high quality leather brand today. And we are the most sustainable leather brand in the industry, in the market. We're gold and silver certified for the leather working group with all the leather we carry which means we are the most responsible practices in leather um sustainability and kind of doing what we can at our part within the leather industry is a big piece for, for me then looking at the functionality aspect is a huge part of what the brand represents so my background is originally in industrial design and engineering which is what i studied at the royal melbourne institute of technology in australia before i moved to america Okay, Amy. So, okay. <laughs> so, so that was the piece that I think, um, you know, one of the pieces that makes this brand so authentic and different and unique is it's very true to the foundation in which I come from. One being, you know, there's an element of practicality in Australian culture that is expected in products that women carry. There's just an element of real and practical and authentic that people could could be given, a woman can be given a free bag that's, you know, $20,000. But if there is a lack of like practicality, functionality in it, they're not going to wear it. It's really that simple. They don't care what brand it is. And that is kind of the Australian mentality of kind of free spirit and functional and practical. So finding a way to make something cool and elevated and luxury, but still practical in its functionality, but in a unique way, not in the way you hear a lot of brands say like, oh yeah, we're, we're functional. But really, if you ask them what that meant to be functional, probably couldn't answer you. Right. It would just be like, oh, there's a pocket here. Yeah, but why is there a pocket there? Right. You know, so the foundation of our brand is coming from a, a expertise in ergonomics. So when we talk about functionality, it's not just like, oh, you have two straps. It's this pocket is here for this item that we're carrying in this century. And this pocket is here because it's aligned with the perfect measurement of your hip. And you have this strap because it's going to be too heavy if you add this weight to it. So every single piece is created with such intention and such thought that it's an element that a lot of our community 
see when they get the bags. They'll buy the bag because they love the design, but then they'll get it home and we'll get a message on our social, on Instagram, Facebook, whatever, that is saying, I, you know, I bought this because I love the bag. Had no idea how practical it is. Like it is the most practical bag I've ever had in my life. And that's kind of the ongoing feedback that we get is that women love the fashion and what and the softness of the leather and the casualness of the styling. But then they're really excited to see the high quality, uh, you know, craftsmanship and execution of the pieces that we create. And then the surprise is always the practicality element. So there's three key pillars. And then the mindfulness pillar does come into play as a key element for the brand. Everything I create is mindful in the sense of I want it to, whether it's the color palette that is making women feel great because it's an intentional color that has been selected based on color psychology that makes you feel calm or empowered, or it may be something like a buckle detail that is designed to have some sort of nature element on it that reminds you of nature. But the mindfulness aspect is always considered in the brand. And we always like to say that we're mindfully designed because my background in addition to engineering and fashion is also in mindfulness nutrition. And they're really the three elements I specialize in. And I essentially took those three elements and turned them into a brand that is very authentic to these three different pillars of overall mentality, wellness, and style. Oh my gosh. I love that. I love that. I think that's such an important, you know, message to anyone who might be starting a brand or wanting to, you know, maybe not understanding why their brand isn't seeing success. And I think, I just love how aligned your brand is to you. I have, we, we, we could, I feel like we could talk about this all day, but I have, I have one important question because you and I originally, when I first met you, we connected over QVC, you know, I do some guest hosting on there, but you have been so successful on that network. And do you attribute that to any of your success? I mean, I know that's a goal for a lot of well, you're not a small business owner, but small business owners that I talk to, they want to get on QVC. They want to build that relationship. Um, can you take us through a little bit about that and what's, what, what it's been like working with them? So QVC business, when we started, was a big part of our business. Today, it is an equal part of our business to all other aspects of our business. I think the most important avenue as a brand owner is always going to be D2C having your own website um, with your own product that you own and manage and control. Main reason being is that is the only place you will ever have full control. So while different retailers are always going to be fantastic to work with when you find the right ones for you, you know, your focus should always be number one, D to C, your own website and telling your story and, and managing that story and that product and what you want to say and what you want to do and who you want to partner with, you know, really owning, owning your direction of a, as a brand, especially a new brand. Um, coming back to QVC, you know, what I love about QVC is firstly, you're put in the homes of up to hundred million people. And that's just in the U S QVC is a global platform. So you have QVC in multiple other countries that we're in as well. It's such a unique experience in the sense of, while I may not have the ability and time to go to a department store, stand there and explain to everyone coming to the shelf why I designed something, 
what what the inspiration was, where the pockets are, why I did it this way, who I am, while they lo- why they'll love the brag, all about the inspiration behind the brand and the product. That's something that is really special and tells your story. And QVC or any TV outlet is going to be an amazing platform to be able to tell your story. So when I go on QVC, it's not only that, you know, they're fantastic partners for us and we love working with them. Next year will be my 10 year anniversary with them. We have something really special coming out together, but it's more of that you get this platform to truly tell your audience and your community and the QVC customer why you do what you do and why that product is there. And there's a story that can be shared that you don't really have that platform anywhere else to share with your customers. So it's a really nice way you're in the home of people firstly, and you think about your home, it's your sanctuary, it's your place of like, of it's your temple. So you're already in their home, which is so intimate when you're on TV, right? So it's such an intimate place to be. Now you're talking about what it is you do and why you did it and what it does. And you have that, it's a special ability to be able to have that FaceTime one-on-one, but with such a large audience at the same time on a platform like QVC. Love it. Thank you so much, Amy. This has been really great. This is one of our longest interviews. Usually we keep it to like 20 minutes, but you're such a wealth of information. Please let everybody know where they can shop the brand, where they can learn more about you, maybe follow you on Instagram. Yes, absolutely. Well, it's all just amykestenberg.com. And just to make it more complicated, Amy is spelled A-I-M-E-E, which I could never buy a magnet growing up as a kid because my parents decided to make the name very specially spelt. Today, I'm loving it, but as a child, I did not. But yeah, everything is amykestenberg.com, amykestenberg on Instagram, Facebook, and everything else. We have so much coming down the track. We've got so many new category launches and collaborations with other female founders that I'm super excited about. So thank you so much for having me, and I'm excited to be able to share this with our community. Yes, thank you so much, Amy. We will definitely be, you know, following along. I can't wait to see what you put out next. So thank you so much. Thank you again. 